You know, if anybody has one of those small Airstream trailers, you know those small ones, um, I'd like to have it. I'm just thinking it'd be a cool, cool office. And since we're kind of like gypsies, we just kind of travel down the road. And we could paint on it, Gypsy Church, a.k.a. Influence Church. So if you have one, can I have it? Somebody said, those are really, like, expensive. And I said, well, it's just for Jesus. Amen? Hey, uh, pray for us. Uh, we've been asked to do uh, uh, the band and, and us are going to be going up to Vancouver uh, on the 4th of July. And we're going to be, uh, we've asked to, be, to speak and to play at a conference called Regeneration. So it's, uh, it's a pretty cool thing that we're doing, and God's just kind of given us some opportunities to do some neat stuff like that together. And so keep us in prayer on July 4th, and many of you are going to be out running and doing floats, and we wish we could be here, but we scheduled this uh, way back when, and I think God's going to do some neat stuff. Um, I want to, uh, to kind of bring you up to date a little bit. We are on a journey, in case you don't know that. And the journey goes like this. You can be in the middle of a miracle. Finish it for me. Hey, that's good. You can be in the middle of a miracle and not know what's going on around you. Sometimes when you look back, you see the hand of God better than when you're in the middle of it. And as I was reflecting on where we've been now for four months, some of you were there and you were a part of that little gathering in a home where about 120 of us gathered. And then we went to Savvy Ranch and we all crammed about 250 people uh, into a, a lobby that was designed for about 100. We put 75 people outside with speakers. We created a traffic jam. People came in, thought it was a house auction. We said, hey, we'll do a second service, come back, go to dinner, come back at 7 o'clock, and we had a second service. We moved over here the next week by our divine connection. Bob, who square dances over here on Thursday night, said, hey, this place might be available. Had two evening services, then we went to a morning and an evening service. Then we said, well, we've never done a sunrise service before. Let's try it. We did. And as I step, if I just kind of go through my mind, when you miss out on something every week, you're really missing out on history. We've decided to start writing our history now, give all the information so we'll know what happens. I was going back, remembering on March 18th when we prayed for a gal in our church named Sky who had a brain tumor the size of a grapefruit, and God took it away. You know, when you recount the things of God, you get to see what God is doing. Because walking in the wilderness and following God is not about showing up once a week and hoping the music and the message is decent. It's about walking with God. In this wilderness journey, you see, wilderness faith refuses to quit. If you've got a faith that was kind of born in comfort, faith that was born in convenience, and you're more concerned about Really, the, the, the condition of the seat, and we all are, but if that becomes paramount to walking with God, then you don't have a wilderness faith. you got some kind of suburban faith that wasn't designed for the real deal. 
You see, in this wilderness report, the unexplainable happens in the wilderness. I don't know how that happened. I remember when we were first launching this and someone said, well, what's this going to look like? I said, I don't know. We don't have any people or any money. And now we have people. And I want to tell you that we have been so fiscally conservative that we have almost $250,000 in the bank. We've been cheap. <laughs> but you know what? We decided we were going to launch a church with the donor in mind. We weren't going to reimburse for mileage. We were going to take people out to lunch. We were going to try to do missions on a low budget if we could. Because we were about the kingdom of God. And I believe God needs a church like that. I want to tell you a little bit about my journey. I was saved by reading the Bible. When I read that Bible, I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble. Because I read it and everything it said not to do, I'd already done a couple of times over. And I was a pre-law student, and I knew God was calling me to do ministry. I didn't know what that would look like. And I had a little VW bus. You remember those? And I've got a picture of it up here with some flowers on it. And yes, there was some dope smoked in that bus. I know you're wondering about it. Because it looks like the right model, doesn't it? So I went to my pastor, and I said, hey, I think God's calling me to the ministry. What should I do? And he said, well, I can just tell you where I went to school, and it's in Missouri, and you can check it out. And so I got in that bus all by myself, and I drove from Colorado to southern Missouri, it was the summertime, it was hot, Bolivar, Missouri, little town, not even a pizza hut in the town. That's when you know it's a sad place. I checked into uh, the dorm there. They didn't have a name on it. It was called New Men's Dorm. They were waiting for some donor to come along so they could name it after him. It had been 20 years and no donor had showed up. Good chance he's not coming. They should call it Old Men's Dorm. I checked in there, and I laid down, and I was reading my Scripture. All along the way, I was reading Scripture, and I said, God, I want you more than I want anything. Like the psalmist said, I want God more than my necessary bread. And God led me. On the way back, I was just, you know, having a wonderful time with God. I parked that little bus at a little roadside park, and I'm sitting there reading my Bible, and parked. In front of me was an 18-wheel semi-truck. You know where this is going, don't you? And I'm sitting there watching. You know when slow motion happens? And you're watching this 18-wheeler back up into my little bus. Crush the front end of my bus. I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm running out there after the guy. It was still drivable. God had a plan for crushing the bus. Because when I got ready to go to school, I needed the money, so I sold the bus for exactly what I paid for it. The insurance paid me another 450 bucks. I thought, this is a great plan, this way God works. 
He tears stuff up and gives you a blessing for it. Let me take you to the Scripture today. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. The verse that makes every man shiver. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Christopher Wren, the great architect, when he built St. Paul's Cathedral, had a sign posted, any man who takes the Lord's name in vain will be immediately dismissed. I suppose they ran out of workers early in the project. But notice what it says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What does that mean? We were taught probably somewhere along the line that meant don't cuss. And if you cuss, you're in trouble, right? I think it's applicable, but I want to give you another shade of meaning because he uses the word vain. That means empty and without substance. Let me show you what I think another dimension and a deeper dimension of this is that's far more powerful and encompasses far more of us. It is this. Don't empty the name of its power. Don't empty the name of God of its power. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. When I take the name and I use it in a vain way, men, women, boys and girls can't find Christ. They can't be saved. The Ten Commandments or a reminder of who God is and what God expects from His people. You remember when His disciples came and said, teach us how to pray. He said these words, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. He started with this idea that the name of God is different. It's holy. It's separate. It's set apart. It's powerful. The name of God is the character of God. God reveals himself in name, but when he really wanted to take it to a new level in Moses' life in Exodus chapter 3, and he said, what is your name? He said, I am. I want to give you an exercise. Every time you read your Bible and you come to the word Lord, just put in the word I am. And watch what it does to your understanding. God is I am. He is the I am present all the time, all powerful, all knowing. All wise. I want you to see something of the majesty of his name. The majesty of the name of God. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, majestic, glorious is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Created in His image. God writes in Isaiah and He tells us these words, which by the way is the Scripture theme for our float. Wait till you see what Jamie has painted on 8 by 8 foot boards. And it has this Scripture written out. From Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2 it says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Spare not, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. You know why that scripture is significant to me and to us? When God sat in the velvet blackness of eternity past, and he looked out and he said, I think I can do something with this, and he began to hurl planets into their place and gave stars their name. 
He created man in his image, and he expanded the universe. In fact, the universe is continually expanding. Scientists think they came up with something by telling us the world is, the universe is expanding, ever expanding. No, no, no. The Bible said that 2,000 years ago of worlds to come. There is this universe, and God has created us in his image that we might expand this world that we have and take this kingdom of earth for the kingdom of God. I believe God wants us to enlarge the place of our tent and expand the curtains of our habitation to strengthen the, the cords and, and strengthen the stakes. I want to show you a picture. This is before Father's Day last week. Isn't that an awesome picture? I saw that picture on Saturday, and I thought, oh, goodness. How are we going to fill that? Are you kidding me? That's 1,200 white chairs, about 200 brown chairs, 250 on the, on the bleachers. Over here there was 360, and over here there was 120 seats available. And I'm telling you, when I got here about 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, the buzz began to happen. And I began to see you, church, be the church. I realized we were capable of things way beyond what I ever thought. I mean, I had such a little part in this whole deal. Thank you, church, for being the church. You know the miracle of it is? Every time the school has any big event, the neighbors complain. We had a bigger event than the school ever had, and we didn't get a single complaint from the neighbors. I don't know whether you were on good behavior or God sent blindness to them, but something happened. Thank God. Here's what happened during Father's Day. Look at this next picture. This is from the stage. Enlarge the vision. Don't ever be satisfied. You know, it's just as easy to think big as it is to think small. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what if you had a son who came home one day, just graduated from high school, and he said, what are you going to do with your life, son? He said, I don't know. I just like it here. I mean, I get up in the morning. Mom makes my bed. You give me a few bucks to go out. I get to use your car, grass credit card, and, you know, I get to sleep in, come in late. You know, I love it here. Now, can you imagine a father saying, you know, that's awesome. Wish I'd have thought of that. Man, if I'd have pulled that with my mom, you know, I, I just would be still there today. Right? But if you're like most dads, you're going to go, that's not going to work that way in our household. Let me tell you how it's going to work. You've got like 24 hours to go out and start looking for a job. Right? Because I only loved you for 18 years. I'm ready for empty nest. I'm ready for romance with my wife. You're out of here. You think God's any different? You think when you come to the place of spiritual adolescence that God is looking at you and saying, hey, just relax and don't do anything for the kingdom and set small goals and don't believe God for anything, you think that's what God's up to? That's not the God I read in the Bible. This week I did some recording over at The Fish for some commercials and I was really close to uh, to the Crystal Cathedral, now called Christ Cathedral. So I drove over there because right now we have an application in to do our prophecy conference there in September. Why not? It's big enough. Then I emailed a buddy of mine who's friends with Sean Hannity, and I said, hey, can we get Sean? I think he'd be a good one to speak. And, and I began to kind of go through some different people, and I thought, you know what? 
why not just do something big? It's just as easy to think big as it is small, and it's your fault because I saw how well you could do all this stuff. <laughs> if you'd have just flubbed it all, you know, we'd have just said, we'll do it right here. So pray that God gives us that place. And then about a month ago, we went up and we went up to the old Mervyn's place. That's why we had you park up there so you could start to get some visuals of it. We went around, and I took anointing oil, and I put, if you go up there today, you'll see a shiny spot above all three doors on both sides. That's oil. We're going to move in that direction. I can't tell you I 100% know that's what God wants us, but we're moving in that direction, and we're going to see what God is up to. We got plan B, C, D, and E. Trust me. I know what happens here in the fall when the soccer moms descend on this place and parking gets, you know, a little scarce, and that's why we test it with the shuttles and the valet park. What church that starts up after four months has valet parking? <laughs> I mean, seriously. You got to admit, we're unique. We got valet parking. We're known as the Gypsy Church, and we got a coyote painted on the back wall. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome, don't you? Amen? Start a men's Bible study with three. We had 73 two weeks ago. Tammy started. She had 62. I'm still beating her, so ladies, you're going to have to step up. Watch this thought now. Too often we allow the darkness to shape our view of God and how His kingdom operates. Let me say it again. Too often we allow the darkness to shape our view of God and how His kingdom operates. Well, we can't do that. Why? Well, I don't know. Why can't we? Why do we let the darkness tell us what we can't do? Is God rich or God poor? Okay, then let's just get some of his stuff. Amen? He said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Watch this. We cannot allow the darkness to get credit for what belongs to God alone. I don't know about you. I'm a little tired of hearing people tell us all Satan's doing. I'd like to hear what God's doing. Well, Satan did this and Satan did that. Well, he's nobody. He is an outlaw in the spiritual kingdom. God is God. Let's recount his names. You will follow the direction of your dominant thoughts. Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Spend time lifting up the majesty of God. Spend time speaking his name. Tell others of his greatness. Invite him in to your life on a daily basis. Let me show you the mystery of his presence. Interesting concept here. I want you to jot these references down. Go back and look at them because they really are pretty amazing. Genesis 3.8, let me just read it to you. Adam and Eve have sinned, and here's what it says. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord. They didn't hide themselves from the Lord. It says the presence of the Lord. Genesis 4.16. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Do you hear a similarity here? From the presence of the Lord. Job chapter 2, verse 7. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. There is a presence of the Lord that somehow you can move out of, and yet God is still sovereign over all. 
You can be in his presence. You can be out of his presence. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come, listen to this, from the presence of the Lord. We have to invite God's presence in our life. How do I do that? I simply invite Him. Holy Spirit of God, I invite you in. I invite your presence here. God, I want you to to make us aware of who you are and your power. You see, God's power is atmospheric. God's presence is atmospheric. You know when you're in the presence of God, and you know when you're out of it. You know what it feels like. As we do, as we invite him as his presence continually fills the space in which we occupy. Isaiah chapter 6, listen to what Isaiah said. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now watch this next part. And the train of his robe was filling, and the Hebrew continually filling, filling. How long did it fill until Isaiah stopped looking for the presence of God? How long will God continue to fill you? How long will God continue to, to bless you and bring you in as long as you believe him for it? Someone can be invited to the room. We can say, hey, come on in here. But not be invited into the conversation. Sometimes we invite God, we say, God, hey, come on in here, bless us, talk to us, but we don't talk to Him. We don't commune with Him. Sometimes a person can be in the room, but we're unaware of their presence. You ever been at a situation, a social setting, where you're sitting there, everybody's talking, and nobody's talking to you? I think that happens in prayer. I think we get so caught up in our stuff, talking about our stuff, and worrying about our problems, we don't even bring God into it. And then we're surprised God isn't answering our prayer. The real question is, is God doing what you're believing God for? That's the question. There is a presence of the I am that you can feel. God is a feeler God. Did you know that? You know God gets angry? That's an emotion. That's feeling, isn't it? You know the Spirit of God, it says He weeps. That's an emotion, isn't it? God is a feeler God. He created you in His image to feel, to experience. He wants you to do that. When His presence comes, it comes in waves, and it comes in varying durations. You can feel and sense the power of God come. But there is a yoke that prevents His presence in your life. Listen to Isaiah chapter 10 and verse 27. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed. Now listen to this. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. You know what the oil is? It's the Spirit of God. See, when they anointed someone, the Spirit of God came on them. You know, there's a, there's a yoke that prevents us from really understanding God and walking in God's power. And God says, I can break that yoke. What is the yoke? What, what, what are kind of yokes do we have? Well, I think one of them is our theological traditions about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. I challenge you, just take the Old Testament, New Testament, start reading, and every time it has a reference to the Spirit of God, see how He behaves. He's pretty radical. He's pretty radical. Spirit of God came upon Gideon, and look what he did. Spirit of God came upon Samson, look what he did. 
Do you know there's also a corporate anointing that comes? Why, Saul, he's away from God, and, and Saul goes down, and, and he sends one of his men down to see what's going on with the prophets because the prophets are speaking the word of God, and they go down there, and the Spirit of God falls on them. They come back. We don't know what happened. The Spirit of God fell on us. He sends some more guys down there. Same thing happened. Third th- thing happened. Third, same thing happens to the third group. He finally goes down there. He's away from God. He gets in the presence of people with the Spirit of God in them, and guess what he does? He falls under the Spirit of God. Because it's contagious. If you spend all your time hanging around people that don't walk in the Spirit, don't be surprised if you don't walk in the Spirit. It makes sense, doesn't it? I think also an unwillingness to yield yourself completely to God creates a yoke in your life. You say, well, God, I, I can, we can go this far, but we're not going to go this far. Well, why would you want to hold up God? I think there's another reason. Delay. We can delay. And delay stops the work of the Holy Spirit. God, I'd like to do that, but not now. I agree with you, God, but not now. Delay stops the work of the Spirit of God. Let me show you some of the miracles of His power. The miracles of His power. Faith, remember, thrives in the wilderness. You get hungry for God, you can pray, can't you? I mean, you get things get bad enough, you'll even fast. I think I'm going to fast. Why? Things are bad right now. I think I'm going to pray. Why? Man, things are bad right now. You show me somebody, everything's going right, got plenty of money in the bank, no problems, kids are behaving, world's in great shape. I'll show you somebody's not praying. Am I right? How many of you would say, just lift your hand, I pray better when things really go south. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of you. I guess you'll lie about other stuff, Amen. I mean, seriously. Seriously. What do we do? How do we, how do we do this? We cultivate what has been given. What has God given you? You say, well, I wish I had. Don't worry about what you don't have. What has God given you? Cultivate that. To whom much is given, much will be required or expected. And to him who is given, more will be given. So what does God do? If you're faithful with whatever little bit you have, you take and take it to the next level. Just take it to the next level. Spend time with God. Watch this. Time in His presence, listen carefully, unlocks His presence in your life. Now you'll miss the nuance of that if you're not careful. Time in His presence unlocks His presence in your life. You want to unlock God, right? You put God in a cage, God can't do anything. The Bible says that Jesus didn't do many mighty works in his own hometown. Why? Because of one reason, their unbelief. So I believe God can do anything. So does the devil. The question is, is God doing it? It's not can, it's will God do that. Are you trusting God? Are you believing God? Are you seeing God for it? Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the just and the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more, brighter and clearer, until it reaches full strength in the perfect day. That's you. That's what God wants us to be. The path of the just and the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more, brighter and clearer, until what? It reaches full strength in the perfect day. You see, the gifts of God are free, but maturity is costly. 
The gifts of God are free, but maturity is costly. It doesn't come cheap and easy. It's not freely given. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, and verse 12 through 14, it says this. It says, For by this time you ought to be teachers. But you have need again of someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. So you've digressed, he said to them. Strong meat is for the mature, who because of training have their senses, that's their spiritual senses, trained to discern good and evil. So you see, for me to come to this place of maturity, what I have to do is I have to realize that God takes me down a path of discipline and and searching after God and hungering after God and living for God. Nobody wants an easy gospel because it's not worth anything. It's just not worth anything. Let me give some life applications. Here's the first one. Live your life in the conscious presence of God. All you have to do is just say, God, I believe you are the I am. And his presence begins to show up in your life. Access his power now, not someday. God, I want to do that when I get... No, right now, God, your power fall on me. Speak to me. Empower me, God. Work through me, God. Live your life beyond reason. Live it by revelation. God, speak. Let your word speak. When you're talking to me in prayer, let me hear you. Live by revelation, not reason. 